0: Welcome
1: everybody, let's talk real estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current commercial real estate market here in Southern California. As we take a no BS look at both sides of the issues driving this market today to find the best solutions going forward. With our man right in the middle, Barry Saywitz. Hey Barry. Hey, good morning, Paul, and uh, good morning to all of our viewers and our listeners out there. If it's Tuesday, which it is, we're talking real estate. I'm Barry Saywitz, president of the Sawitz Company and managing partner of Saywitz Properties, and I want to welcome everybody back here again today. I want to do a quick shout-out since we are rapidly approaching the Thanksgiving holiday and wish everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving, a healthy and prosperous uh, coming new year. I also want to wish a speedy recovery to my mother who is recovering from knee surgery, so hopefully she's up and about and less cranky in the near future. I'm excited about today's show because of many reasons. Number one, we have an exciting guest who has done a lot of different things relative to the commercial real estate world here in Orange County and elsewhere around the country. Number two, we'll talk apartments, we'll talk office, we'll talk about what the future holds for the economy, uh, and especially here in Southern California. I want to welcome our guest, Rand Sperry, CEO and co-founder of uh, Sperry Commercial, Sperry Equities, and the many other Sperry entities that are out there in the world. So welcome. (laughs)
0: Thanks, Barry. Great to be here. Yeah, I appreciate
1: you coming on. And so we are getting towards the tail end of the year here. And I I think, you know, we were talking about it earlier. Guests that we had at the beginning of the year were all rosy and talking good things. And the future looked super bright. And I don't want to be Debbie Downer by any means. But certainly we are in a different uh, environment today as we look forward into the new year. But you yourself are a longtime resident uh, and businessman in Orange County and have seen certainly a lot of ups and downs. In the markets, I want to rewind and then we'll fast forward back in today's world. But so you got going in the late 80s, boom time everywhere, boom time, Orange County, big parties, big deals, all (laughs) kinds of fun stuff. That's when I got started and I I, I long for those days again and started basically your own commercial brokerage shop uh, here in Orange County.
0: Right. I actually started in 1975 with my first fourplex. I was 20 years old. So now everyone knows how old I am, but and then spent about ten years with a company called the Bruce Haynes Company. I don't know if you remember. H I remember Bruce Haynes. Name. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he specialized in apartment buildings. So I learned the apartment business through that organization. Rose to the top of the organization. I was the executive VP and. Uh, general sales manager of the company and then him and I didn't see eye to eye in terms of expanding and growing the company nationally and uh, he liked where, what he had which right. I, I don't blame him you know sometimes smaller is better yeah so I met Mark Van Ness and we started a company called Sperry Van Ness in 1987 moved to Orange County I was in the San Gabriel Valley and previous to that Beverly Hills and Woodland Hills and, and
1: so why Orange County then?
0: Well, I found this girl from Orange County. Ah, she's always a girl. (laughs) Yeah, she's always a girl. So Rosemary's her name, and she loved Orange County, even though when we first got married, we lived in San Marino. Talked me into coming here. And I used to come here for... for the beach. Now, Huntington Beach was my, my hangout growing up. And there were orange groves then. Yeah, there were. Exactly. <laughs> <It's> actually <oranges. laughs> In fact, we, from Monterey Park where I grew up, we had to take Whittier Boulevard and then we'd take Beach Boulevard. There wasn't a freeway.
1: Right. And the 55 didn't go to the beach. You had to take the side streets and yeah. Newport Boulevard and all that stuff. So. Yeah. So... And, and so you get here, and so it was a, a few years before my time. I got here 1989. I started in commercial real estate in October of 1989. Oh. The real estate market crashed in November of 1989. So I had a week or two under my belt before it completely tanked. Yeah. But you were here while it's still booming, right?
0: Yes. Moved here in 1985, and we had two two or three great years. That's when we opened up Sperry, Van S, and it boomed for about a year. And then we had the... Uh, A major earthquake, as I recall, and then the stock market the next year. And we would look at each other, Mark and I, and go, is this an omen? I mean, we start this company and two horrible things happen within 24 months. And it really affected the business at the time we would find out that later things would get would make that look like a walk in the park.
1: Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> especially if you look back at covid and mm-hmm. other things you 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 get past it pretty quick, but at that time it was really brokerage, right? You were yes. attracting other brokerage under your brokerage umbrella and I right. remember it was one of the became one of the larger uh brokerage companies in Orange County and then expanding outward, right?
0: Yep. I think number 10 in the country by 2008 or so, and I think now that individual company is probably number seven as I looked at at its rankings, rankings, and then I left, though, Mark Vaness and I split up in 2013, so I'm no longer affiliated with Sperry Vaness. but then started my own franchise after the non-compete, and now we're in about 25 states with uh, 62 offices.
1: And again, brokerage? Brokerage, or, yes. Primarily brokerage. Yes. But this time, it's the franchise concept as Correct. opposed to you own it all and you're directly everybody's boss, so yeah. to speak, right? Yeah. And how is that model, A, different than just owning it yourself from a business perspective, and then B, how... Does that work? Is it a better model than trying to herd all the cats in the brokerage business? Because I know how that goes. It's yeah. difficult stuff.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly from a management standpoint, it's much better model. And yeah. even from a risk standpoint, because you don't have the overhead. As you know, running just one office between a manager. You know, you're running $100,000 a month in overhead very easily with each office. And in and, and times like this... That could get dicey because, you know, just talking to a few people and we still have our brokerage operation that we own in Orange County. Deals, we had four deals slated to be listed, apartment deals, this last quarter and all... The buyers decided to pull them off the market. They didn't like the cap rates creeping up, so right. they just they, decided. Yeah, to keep they
1: didn't them. like what you're telling them, and they're stuck yeah. on yesterday's
0: dollar. Right? It's it's another wait. We'll wait and see what happens. Yeah. And so that gets dangerous, or, or you get nervous when you have a lot of offices like that, and you're covering the overhead. So, so franchise mo- model is great.
1: So in this in this model, mm. franchisee uh, they have their own business. Right. They have their own corporation. They run it. They pay their bills. It's not your problem. But they are under what I'm going to call the umbrella yeah. of this this very umbrella, right? Yeah. And you're exactly. providing buying power. You're providing technology. You're providing a national platform for them to be able to do business outside their own local market. True.
0: Boy, you've got the elevator I, pitch down. Well, yes. I'll tell you why.
1: Because <laughs> we didn't talk about was in the nineties. I actually started a national uh, brokerage company with the same thing, except that I was not as smart as you, and I decided that we were going to go around the country and we were going to get independent brokerage companies to unite under a common umbrella. And I created a company called The Core Network. Where I would get up at 5 in the morning, call guys on the East Coast, convince them to join our idea, and the pitch was that we had set up the organization, which was a 501c3 nonprofit, similar to the NFL, where all the teams make money, but the umbrella is really not-for-profit. Because otherwise people would think you were trying to buy them out or control them. And so we went around market by market and built an organization of 100 different firms within a period of only a handful of years. So I know the drill, except I didn't make a nickel from it at the end of the day of the platform. (laughs) We used it as an expansion for our own business, which is, I'm yeah. going to guess your pitch, right? That is your pitch. Yeah. And I'm going to assume it's working well, number one, that you've got offices around the country, and number two, it makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. Talk about expansion of the business. What it did help us do as well is acquire property because that's where Sperry Equities comes in is that they, uh, we found properties, and we're, we're like in nine different states. I would never do that if I was just a local Orange County firm, but because we have offices and relationships with brokers, we were comfortable buying in those markets. And so that's helped us really grow the equities division.
1: Yeah, and and people, you have people basically scouting deals that know the local marketplace so you don't hopefully make a mistake buying in the wrong part of town or a, a different property. And you have somebody there to keep an eye on it for you so you don't have to go flying around to check on it yourself? Yeah. And for them, they have access to capital. Yeah. No, I like it. And it seems to be working well. And so then is the capital entity... Different than the equities entity, different than the brokerage entity? Like I thought there was three. I get confused. Well
0: we have a capital markets one. They're out of New York, a relationship between myself and a gentleman named Sam Suzuki and his team. And they've been in it for years and he loved what Sperry commercial was doing out in the marketplace and said, I wanna join you guys and so we've got a partnership and he's out doing both debt and equity. Gotcha. I haven't talked to him in the last month. So it's crazy. Normally, I don't need to, but I'm curious how things have slowed down in that market. And probably before I got on the show, I should have gave him a call.
1: I'm going to guess it's a little bit slower than it was before, just uh, based on what everybody else is saying. And and so back to Orange County for a second. So you watch Orange County grow up, as I call it, right? I mean, there's buildings getting built. There's people moving here from other places. And we get past the downturn of the late 80s and the early 90s, and you guys keep going. There's still deals to be made, focusing on the brokerage, and a large part of that on the multifamily side, right? Yeah. Which, was, which to me seems like it was a niche because you had bigger companies like CBRE or Alien Associates or Voight that were also really very large brokerage companies at the time, but right. mostly focusing on office and a little bit of industrial. Uh, nobody was really tackling the apartment market other than you guys
0: and Marcus and Milchap. That's it. We were the two big games in town. Yeah. And still. And right? still, yeah. So
1: And so on the apartment side of things, it's funny because you got started with a fourplex. I got started with a duplex. <laughs>
0: <laughs> right.
1: So. (laughs) So one duplex became two, became 20, became 10 units, 20 units, 40 units. That's sort of how it goes. That aspect of the market at the time, I remember when I bought my first place at the beach in Newport, the people were paying like $500 a month in rent. And today, I think those things rent for, you know, in the thousands for sure.
0: Yeah, I'm just amazed. You know, I was just looking at the rent and just forget the beach, just kind of. Inland B product was going for four hundred for a one bedroom and we're renting one bedrooms at nineteen ninety five, yeah. basically two thousand dollars a month. Now during that process we've had to renovate the units. Of course. So I would say there B product renovated units, you're at that number. If it's new product, it's another four hundred dollars more a month, four to five hundred dollars a month, twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. And I guess if you asked me 20 or 30 years ago, I would have thought you're out Crazy. of your mind Crazy. that rents would get that high. And look at cost per unit. I mean, we just had a deal trade in Anaheim for 416000 a door.
1: I looked and, at one in Costa Mesa for 616000
0: a door. Was it? Well, it's a couple of doors down from
1: something that I own. And I was just like, how does that pencil?
0: Right. I, I'm building a project right now, 63 units, 6,000 retail with 63 above in Koreatown. And you know we're projecting 25. Well, depending on the unit, because some of them are going to have fabulous views of Los Angeles downtown. But yeah, I mean nothing's under 2,000 a month. 21, 2200. Yeah. And when I looked at the comps before we started to build it, this is two years ago, the comps were at 550 a door. And as you know, they were making fun of Mayor Garcetti for spending seven hundred twenty-five thousand a door for units, and you know I'll make fun of them too. That, that's I don't know Stupid what he was about. doing, but you know we're going to be in ours about five fifty a door when we get done. So hopefully the market's pushed up from I think it's actually four eighty a door right yeah. now, and of course that's because of COVID and the price of everything in construction has gone up dramatically, it's kind of come down, like, for example, lumber was triple what it was before it started to rise. Now it's only, it's only double or yes. two and a half, right? <laughs> yes. Feel good about that. I mean, yeah, we you start feeling good about that. It's like, you know, gas gets to 685 a gallon and it drops down to five and a quarter and you go, Yahoo! I, I saw, I saw
1: 499. <laughs> I got excited until I got closer and it was actually a five and I just didn't oh. read it properly, but yeah, it's all relative, right? Yeah. I mean, so you look at the cost of housing and in Los Angeles in particular, because It's so expensive in Los Angeles that it then, to me, trickles into Orange County, Riverside County, and other areas because it drives the market up because you have people coming out of Los Angeles that, to them, it looks cheap at 300 or 400,000 a door when it's 5 or 600,000 a door there. And if a one bedroom in LA is 2500 or 3000, then 2000 looks like, you know, it's a not parking. that expensive. Mm-hmm. No different than people leaving California going to Arizona and Nevada and buying up stuff and running up the prices there. I guess the question I'd have for you is Is it sustainable, right? And is it sustainable in the sense that if you have continued inflation and the cost of living for the average person continues to go up, at what point do they go, hey, I really just can't afford this or I'm going to have to go do something else? And do they even have any options in today's environment?
0: Well, there are options. But before I answer that, I'm going to go back to the question about is it sustainable? Because all I can think of is when rents hit $1,000 a month, and somebody asked me, How are they gonna how can they afford this? Right. How much more can they go up? So I'm gonna answer that and say, I've figured out after forty seven years that not only is it sustainable but we'll be looking at two thousand dollars a unit as a bargain right. in Down ten the road. years. Right. But for right now what can happen and we saw this happen before and that is is that if you can't afford it you go back and live with mom and dad. Okay, where you right.
1: go from a two bedroom to a one bedroom, right? Where you go or, further from your job or whatever you got to do, y-
0: yeah. And or you double up. Yeah. Remember the right. doubling up, and right now that might be where we see people. So rents will probably sustain themselves in some of the markets because people will double up to afford it because they don't want to move back home with mom and dad. Yeah. But there are going to be certain pockets where people are going to go back home.
1: Right, and for people who just can't afford it because they're either in a work industry that doesn't have steady income uh, or whatever the reason being, Uh, we're starting to see that on our end where – we worked with people as best we could during covid and now as you come out and things get more difficult as a landlord on your own cost model yeah. that it's just hard to allow people to continue to carry a balance and trickle pay and at some point you got to look in the mirror and say hey maybe this is not for me yeah and then the question becomes is that a small percentage or is that start to become a bigger one the difficulty is if you go out and look for another place to rent there's not much out there
0: yeah that's the thing is the supply is short. And the interesting thing is, it's due to COVID and due to interest rates now, I think it's only going to get worse. You know, the, the big issue was housing. Okay, so What do we do from a government standpoint is we spike the rates. Now, to some degree, that is really slowing down not only housing. Well, when I say housing, multi-residential is what I'm talking about. I mean, if you're looking to build an apartment building or a bill for rent at at the moment, those rates can scare you as you go into a construction loan, and then you're not going to know what your long-term takeout loan is. I mean, what's happened between just from June to now – Prime's gone from four point seven five to seven percent. There's been six rate hikes. With set. more
1: potentially to come.
0: We're talking about a half a point. I mean, I don't know how much you want to bet your first duplex on on the fact that it's going up a half a point in December. Oh, yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. And we'll probably see another hike in January. And the problem is is that The rates can't go up quick enough to fight off inflation. So it's kind of like we're going to overstep, I think, on the interest rates, which I don't understand. These guys are supposed to be – Jerome Powell should be smarter than you and I. But, you know, you continue to raise these rates. Why don't you let it cook for a while and see what happens? Instead of just going crazy with the rates and turning everyone upside down and wondering, what do we do next? Should we build that project? Are rates going to come down? So by the time the project's done, we'll settle back with a decent rate. Maybe a decent rate will be 45 to 5%. That would probably be exciting to have again. But you'll be at 7 right? You'll, right now. You're going
1: to yeah. be very quickly, I think, after the first of the year, you're going to be in the 7s. And then if you compare that on the housing market... For somebody who was looking at a three or a two and a half not very long ago, right, the cost of that mortgage payment for that particular individual or family has more than doubled. And so for the average person out there, it just takes that much of the market out of the market, and those people go back to renting.
0: Yeah, there's arguments for how we'll have less demand for rentals and arguments for for, for more more. right so and it probably will equalize out to some degree but i think as far as owners of multi-res right now i wouldn't you know here i am with a brokerage company but for the next for 2023 I don't know that it makes sense to sell anything or to buy anything. I mean, I think we're going to have a pretty stale market or slow market here in 2023 because sellers are going to say, well, I'll sell it if I can get my three and a quarter cap.
1: But they're not going to get it.
0: Yeah. And right. the buyer's going to go, I'm not going to give it to you. So, right. And, it, and it the broker says, sense. I'll
1: try, right? Yeah. What the heck?
0: So we'll list it and we'll <laughs> beat our head against the wall and then we won't be able to sell it. And it'll be kind of a wait and see in that regard. And it's just... It's one of those tough markets, but there'll be people that will have to sell because if they've got a loan that now has come due and the LTVs are under loan to values are under 50 percent, they may have trouble refinancing to replace their loan amount. So I see that as a big issue here in 2023, and it's like, okay, if I can't do it. Then I might as well just sell the property, and get, just get out, right? and, and, and get and out get what and, I can.
1: And, and the truth of it is, even if I can't get my three and a half cap that I could have in yesterday's world whatever you're doing, usually you're making money, right? You're not exactly. to the pain of the last recession, right. where people were actually just losing all their equity. Not That's You're not correct. there yet. And so the other side of it, too, is that in today's world, if I'm a small multifamily owner and I bought a property or two, I'm, I think I'm pretty smart. I could just hold up my hand and rent the unit. I could put you know lipstick on it and make it a little nicer, and it'll rent, and I can yep. get a good number. But when the market starts to cool, or when people start to either struggle to pay, or you need to actually have some depth to your own reserves, uh, it becomes a little more challenging. And so I think all of those things will start to, uh, for lack of a better word, fester over the course of
0: the next 12 months. So far, what has seemed to save the day, in my opinion, and why I, even though I have a degree in finance and I heard, you know, that two quarters in a row of negative GDP, you're in a recession. One of the things that's different this time is that unemployment is so low. And that if you want a job, you can get a job. Now, layoffs are looming, especially in the tech business. But outside of that, I'm not seeing or hearing, maybe you are, Barry, of major layoffs in core business. So,
1: I think it's coming. I, I think you know, we're starting to see the people that have side jobs and the people that have second jobs and the people that have I'm going to call it under the table or independent contractor jobs that's going to start to slow down, and those people are going to start to feel the pinch. But you're right, I mean, if you need to get a job, if you want to get a job, there's a lot of places still hiring, and especially with the holidays coming up, yeah. people need seasonal help, so you should be able to get some extra money. It'll be interesting to see one of the things I'm curious about is how the retail numbers look and what spending looks like for this holiday season. Whether yeah. people just don't care and they just go spend money on the uh, holidays and presents and whatever it is that they're doing or whether they actually start to pull back and, and what those numbers look like.
0: Yeah, I don't think they've seen a negative decline in consumer spending no, yet. No. So, so you got low unemployment and consumer spending, two things that in a recession are negative or unemployment's up right. and consumer spending is negative. And so it's interesting. And if, you know, I, I did an analysis in my head because I just had a meeting on a, a budget meeting on an apartment building on Friday. And I'm thinking, okay, we're getting $2,000 for one bedrooms and 2400 for two bedrooms. And I'm going, but, you know, I pay our receptionist probably $50,000 a year, right? Yeah. So let's say you just had a receptionist and a i don 't know somebody else, another receptionist, and they yeah. live together that 's a hundred thousand dollars between the two of them. They can afford it. They can afford it
1: but that same receptionist who's in a one bedroom by herself who is a single mom or some or mm-hmm. has some other financial obligations or student debt that they're not going to just give to her for free, then that may be a struggle. Yeah. I, I guess that will be the interesting thing to see as to how that works. And and then as rates go up, as rents go up, what we've seen is people go look around and we tell them, listen, we're going to renew your lease. If you're an existing tenant, we're not going to charge you the same as somebody off the street. Yeah. But at the same time, your rent is going up. And then when you go to look around, you should figure out it's actually a pretty good deal whether you can afford it or not. Yeah. It's a different ball game, and I guess that's what we'll find out coming up in the next year.
0: Yeah, that was our comment. It's like, well, where are they going to go? We're the best game in town, and it's just going to cost them a bunch of money to move. To move
1: right, right. So... so. Well, look, uh, we've only got a couple of minutes left. You and I could go at this all day, I think. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably have to have you come back after the first of the year and see how it starts to go, and we'll do a recap. And uh, We didn't even get to some of the other fun stuff I wanted to talk to you about. But...
0: Well, you know, I just want to make a comment about, we talk about these cap rates on apartment buildings and how we get you know, used to three and a quarter. I don't know, Barry, I still pinch myself when I think about how did that happen? How did we get so low? Yeah. I mean, when I got in the business, it, they were seven and eight, right. nine, nine caps. So. Right. And then
1: all of a sudden it started to go to five at the coast. And yeah. then you'd go inland and you could still find six or seven. We used to have investors come into our office on the brokerage side and say, well, I want a seven or an eight cap. And I said, not California, you know. If you go to exactly. Mississippi, you can go there. I'm sorry. I'll give you a name of a number of a guy. But I mean, it's crazy also to think that a property would trade at a three or four cap when interest rates are in the sixes going to sevens. Because to me, that dog doesn't hunt either, right? You're buying for either long-term growth and appreciation, but you're guaranteeing yourself negative cash flow at the gate.
0: Well, you just described it. That is the investment. When you look at growing a business, oftentimes you're losing money. Starbucks lost money. They almost had to close their doors, though. They were down $17 way back in the day before they turn Starbucks around, okay? And a lot of businesses are that way. Apartments are that way. You don't buy an apartment and come out the door, and we haven't even with low interest rates with five and 6% cash on cash returns day one. The key to making money in apartments, and so I'm gonna leave this with a positive vibe on apartments is that if you buy for long term, you're in your 30s or even 40s and you're looking for retirement and you buy that building today, 25 years from now, when you're our age or my age, you're going to find that you did the right thing. And, uh, in fact, Barry and I, you and I were talking before we went on air here about the old days and how we shouldn't have sold our apartment buildings and how much they've doubled and tripled in value in 25 years. And the key is, really, if I could leave any advice to anyone that wants to own an apartment building is tough through it and keep it. Don't don't sell sell it. it. Don't sell it because the rents will get you through. Because you'll be surprised where they'll be in twenty five years.
1: And the model of buying it, flipping it, making a bunch of money, and continue to grow it—that window has passed, at least for the moment. So the barrier to entry in the multifamily market anywhere, but especially here in Southern California, is very difficult. So if you can get in. Then, like you say, get in, keep your property nice, keep, get good tenants that appreciate the property and vice versa, and then you, you'll have a very good asset at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. I think Orange County, long term, is a viable, vibrant, active, diverse place for people to live and work. and it's Great place
0: change. to invest. Yeah. Yep. So,
1: well, with that said, more good things to come. I appreciate you coming on the show and, and much success to you and your family and your businesses. And we'll certainly have you come you back too. and take a look at this again down the road. And we'll take a look back and see what's changed. But best wishes for happy holidays. And Same the, to good you. having you here. Thanks. Thanks. So with that said, I am Barry Sawitz, president of the Sawitz Company. And if it's one thing that I've learned in my 30 plus years of doing this, it's to look at both sides of the equation and try and surround yourself with good information and good people to give you good advice. And hopefully we've done that here today and given you a couple of tips. And if it's Tuesday, we will see you back here next week on more Let's Talk Real Estate. I want to thank everybody here at OC Talk Radio and putting the show together. And thanks for tuning in and we'll see you back soon. Thanks. you've been listening to Let's Talk Real Estate, your weekly BS with Barry Saywitz about the current state of the real commercial real estate market right here in Southern California. On Orange County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio, streaming live from
0: our studio here at the University of California, Irvine's Beal Applied Innovation Center.